0: Morrison, The Weakest Link on Climate Action, Morrison Funds Telstra to Block China, and BP Using Solar to Make Steel. This is The Week on Wednesday. Hello and welcome to The Week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison, and joining me from our beautiful back-together home... (laughs) Is the magnificent, the fantastic Van Badham. How are you, Van? I
1: have the puppy on my lap. <laughs> I have my puppy on my lap. I have my Benny. I'm touching his knee. Oh, saucy touching his knee. Holding my puppy. I'm home. Woohoo.
0: Yes, it's very, very, very good to have you home. And of course, you know, you'll be home for a few days and we're all looking forward to spending some time together.
1: That is a bit exciting. Before yeah. I go back to Sydney.
0: Before you go back to Sydney.
1: And my mother.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But then you'll come and visit me.
0: I will. Oh my God. It's so exciting. We might even do it. We might even do an episode of the week on Wednesday from Sydney.
1: Oh, wow.
0: I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, no, we can do it. We can, we can try. We can do
1: it by the beach. <laughs> By the beach It's a very Sydney thing It's a
0: very Sydney thing
1: Yes, I'm sort of turning back into my Sydney self I just think it'd be awesome to be by the beach And yeah, I'm a blonde now, everybody It's so exciting (laughs) Four months in Sydney Ben loves it Indeed.
0: Loves it. Well, you know.
1: Maybe we could have like you know a cinnamon cappuccino and talk about it. Oh God.
0: <laughs> I'm going to need a double espresso. Um, all right. So look, there's a lot that's happened while you've been flying back to Victoria. Yes. And uh, a lot going on. This is obviously parliamentary sitting week. Lots of focus.
1: Love on, a parliamentary sitting week.
0: Lots of focus on climate. And I'm, and really, I <laughs> for the want,
1: first time in eight years, yes.
0: Well, I really want to talk about that because Scott Morrison today has been, had, has, you know, now he's got a plan out there. A plan more a pamphlet, really, than a plan. Election's coming. You always know the Liberals are going to call
1: an election because suddenly they talk about having plans. And it's like, what have you been doing for the past eight years? Planning to have a plan about planning. It's the
0: Australian way, Van.
1: Oh, um, yes, I heard it was the Australian way. Well, the Australian way. What, climate denial? That's the Australian way. I don't think that's very representative of where the electorate is at, Ben.
0: And I think this is really Morrison's problem, right, because he's fundamentally... The, he has been described by CNN as the A weakest... A man
1: made entirely of oil. Well, no.
0: as, as the weakest link among rich countries for the upcoming climate talks. The weakest link. The weakest link. He's been slammed by the New York Times, by the BBC. Yeah, I, I read an article in the New York Times recently that described his government as bumbling.
1: Oh, I wrote that article <laughs> in the New York Times.
0: Yes. But it, it, basically his, his sort of... Uh, his plan to not... Have a plan. His plan is based, his new plan is based entirely on existing policy. That's the important point that he wants to stress.
1: Liberal national climate action policy. That yeah. thoroughly weighty tome of insight and innovation. Remember when Turnbull was Prime Minister for five minutes and we had to keep saying the word innovation? Oh. And now that's over. It's just a slippery slope all the way down.
0: So they, they're talking now about. Uh, some of the key points in the plan, the Australian Way I am plan.
1: so excited to see Ben. I can barely let him get through a sentence. I'm just going to put that <laughs> out there. Right so
0: the Australian Way plan has no new policies. Tech will apparently save us. Did you realise this? Oh, me?
1: yes. Tech. Is tech, tech is saving us, which yeah. is amazing because I seem to recall, uh, didn't 40,000 academics lose their jobs?
0: Just about, yeah. Yeah,
1: 40,000 academics lost their jobs over the course of the pandemic. The government refused to provide JobKeeper. Two universities, despite the fact it wasted what six point four billion dollars in companies that didn't need it. No,
0: I think it's I think it's closer to forty billion dollars.
1: Forty billion. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I do remember a six billion dollar figure the other day. Maybe they found some more wasted money. Who knows?
0: You think they did?
1: Yeah. So so yeah. So we didn't bail out the university sector, and we lost forty thousand people from research and teaching. Okay. Uh, also, CSIRO—they've been taking an taking an absolute thumping over yeah. the years. I mean, we don't really prioritize science in this country anymore. But I think
0: it's I think it's interesting too when you think about the fact that if tech's going to save us. You know,
1: and we're not investing in it. That's kind in, of a really short walk.
0: Yeah, and we're not investing in
1: That's it. It's a short walk to failure. Yeah,
0: but and if we're not investing in it, but the people who are, so there are people who are investing in it in Australia, you know, like the Atlassian tech Bros and some of the others in this space. Right. right. Who, you know, they're not they're not what I would they're not I uh, I'm not pinning my hopes on these sorts of people, right? Because
1: Yeah, I'm not really we'll, in love with billionaires as a concept.
0: No, and I think I that, think
1: they're a symptom of the disease.
0: Yeah. So I think when, but when they're saying your plan for tech has no plan for tech and literally dissing you on social media over your tech plan to save the climate, I think you've kind of lost the full spectrum. You know, when yeah. when socialists like you and I are going, there is no government intervention here. The, the investment in the infrastructure and resources of universities and the CSIRO and education and training aren't there to support this, and at the other end of the spectrum, the kind of Mike Cannon Brookses and the sort of Elon Musk types who are sort of like you know, I'll just find. Villain, sorry. <clears throat> I'll, just, I'll I'll just find enough tech money to do whatever I want. A uh, saying you've got nothing, then really there's nothing there, right? Like- no,
1: there's not. I mean, there's nothing there. They haven't invested in this infrastructure. What do people think this is, Germany? No, there is no long-term plan. Like there hasn't. If they wanted a tech-led solution, the time to start investing in that was eight years ago when they got elected, or or God help us during the Howard era when all of these issues were becoming very present. We're already on the table. Yeah. But no, no. We have been living in our climate denialist bubble. We had, remember, Tony Abbott was Prime Minister for five minutes and his signature policy was axing carbon pricing, which was, of course, a, a world first. Finally, we were obliging capitalism to price externalities as opposed to just think the world. And it worked. It was reducing carbon. Oh, no, yeah, sense. it did. It, <laughs> like, what, within a year they were down 11% or something ridiculous. and actually obliged innovation in the market. It was a market-based
0: mechanism. Stephen Cook. Corliss makes this point about that time in Australian history that not only did it result in lowering emissions, but unemployment was low, wages were high, underemployment was low. All of the good economic indicators were moving in the right direction and we were helping save the planet. Since Tony Abbott's come in all of the economic indicators have gone in the opposite direction and emissions have gone up.
1: Oh, yeah. And, you know, the constant rhetoric from this government, oh, you know, we can't have electric cars. Oh, like cars with a bit of grunt. Remember that? Remember when Scott Morrison was telling us what a man he was just before the last election because apparently men grunt. So, yeah, so electric vehicles and, oh, you know, Bill Shorten was some kind of wussy burger. Seriously, every week goes past, I just think how Bill Shorten hasn't picked up a chainsaw and taken his tension out on the real, enemy i just don't know so shorten was the one going we are the only sovereign nation with all the ingredients to for battery Mm, technology mm, mm. we can be a world leader yeah no poor yeah let's build electric cars let's rehabilitate the workforce we lost from holden all these centers of industry that we have that can be revived with domestic manufacturing yeah no i like cars with a bit of grind that's (sighs) the other thing
0: that's the other thing that's happened this week is that Tesla has ticked over the $1 trillion market capitalization measure. That's what the market says the company is worth, um, for those who aren't aware of that, because, because Hertz placed an order uh, for, I think it was 100,000 vehicles. It was either 10,000 or 100,000. Either way, that there is a huge market for electric vehicles, and it's a global market. And Australia was in a box seat to do it now of course other countries have taken that up Tesla has factories in other parts of the world doesn't have any here Norway replacing all cars with electric vehicles there are no other providers who are looking to build um, vehicles here you know the idea that tech is going to save us is a nonsense they're saying that um, most of the most of the emissions reduction is really about offsets and carbon capture, which we
1: we know don't work. We know don't work. The investment in those technologies was needed forty years ago, and it, and it hasn't
0: and it hasn't eventuated in in substantial improvements. The the <laughs> the plan. Current policy. The current policy is natural gas is a clean energy.
1: Source. Oh, of course, natural gas.
0: Anyone who's seen the natural gas. Like cow gas... farts.
1: Cow farts are natural, aren't they? Because well, they come out of cows, which are natural.
0: But anyone who's seen, the driven past a refinery anywhere in the world and seen the burning flame of natural gas at the top of the refinery can tell you.
1: Or seen it in the, the kitchen or the <laughs> yeah. heater and gone, wow, that looks like something's being burnt. Could it be carbon?
0: That's right. It creates emissions. It just cre- it, it does. It just creates emissions. So overall, it's a nonsense. It's a nonsense because the the plan, current policy, is to get emissions down by 1% per year to now in 2030, which puts them-
1: Oh, paradise will result.
0: In the, in the same target, the same range as your friend, who you mentioned just before, Tony Abbott. Oh. So here we are, eight years after Tony Still Abbott. Still
1: living in the Tony Abbott nightmare. Yeah. As if It's never going to
0: end. It's literally current policy.
1: I just, the new plan
0: is current policy.
1: New plan is current policy, except it doesn't look like a plan. It's based on tech that doesn't exist. has obliged a policy alliance between people like you and me and people like Mike Cannonbrooks and Elon Musk, which is dark and unnatural. Dark and unnatural. These are not our friends or
0: allies. And has put Keith Pitt, your other friend, in the, in the cabinet.
1: Ah, uh, Keith Pitt. Keith Pitt, Keith Pitt from the National Party. Yes, Keith Pitt, who's from Queensland, um, who is a great champion of fossil fuel interests, I think is the best way of describing good old Keith. Yeah. So uh, whatever the deal was with the National Party that we can't be told because apparently democracy thrives in darkness. I'm not sure. How does the slogan go? I mean, <laughs> million dollars in a blind trust here, secret deal with the National Party there. It's all above board. Just ask Liberal Party liberal like Daryl Maguire and Gladys Berejiklian and Angela Bar- Barilaro and all of them. Angus
0: Taylor, my well, Keith best P- friend. Keith Pitts and I got a promotion into Cabinet. He, of course, gets a pay rise as well. Oh. Oh, how so, fabulous. So, you know, the, the price... You, Keith. If anybody's wondering what the price of Keith Pitt's silence is, all you got to do is figure out what the pay differential is from being a junior minister outside of Cabinet to being a Cabinet minister. And then you know how much to donate to Keith Pitt if you want him to not talk about an issue that you don't want him to talk about. That seems to be how that works.
1: Yeah, so the National Party now have five people in yeah, Cabinet? Yeah, out of 29. Out of 29. Yeah. And, yeah, so... Four point five percent of the vote, five cabinet ministers. It's pretty good. I, you that's, know, it's more than a, that's it, more
0: than one per for each percentage point of the vote.
1: Yeah, is that knowing where the bodies are buried or owning the cemetery? That <laughs> is the question. <laughs> and how wonderful it's been to see such intellectual giants, real visionaries of this country, like Barnaby Joyce and your friend Bridget McKenzie and the totally wonderful David Littleproud. Just, I mean, they inspire me. I mean, they inspire me to pick up a pitchfork and say. Haystack on fire, but yeah, they inspire me.
0: But it's really, you know, we come on the back as well of the UN report saying that Australia sucks. Well, the UN report says that the world is on track to get to a 2.7 degree increase in temperature and that what we need to do is get 55% reduction in emissions by 2030. Now,
1: and other countries are moving in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. Some of them are
0: moving beyond that. Like parts of Europe and and other other wealthy countries are moving well beyond that. And we're not. And the the framing, Ben, I want to talk about this because it ties in with what we just talked about with the national party, you know, really I think what most of the last 2 or 3 weeks has been about for Morrison is coming up with the marketing components of this, right? Oh yeah. Because there's no real Australian
1: plan way. I mean, how many focus groups do you reckon they went through? You've done a few focus groups in your time. How many focus groups do you reckon they went through to get that as a slogan? I
0: think think they did a few, and I think (laughs) that's really sad because it's really just a repackaging of the the same stuff they always trot out, right? Like, what Morrison is trying to do is position it as... Australia. Morrison is, Morrison is Australia and his plan is the Australian way doing things for Australia, Australians Australia is just repeated constantly. you see any of his news uh, appearances and that's all he's talking about. It's telling that the first the very first interview he did after announcing the, the new plan which is existing policy uh, was to do Sky. Right? where well, they essentially softballed him the opportunity to practice his Australian waylines.
1: Oh, there was an amazing um, edited clip. Andrew Proben used it on... Uh, ABC News yesterday and it was extraordinary. It was more, every time Morrison said the word plan and it was like 30 times yeah. in the same presser.
0: Because what he's trying to do is he's trying to position himself as being someone you can trust to have a plan. See, most Australians just, just want to know that the government that is taking plan. care of it, that yeah. they've got a plan. That, they're going that to these do guys do are in
1: charge so Australians can get back to you know Doing their families and the household. Yeah. The dog, the garden. Yeah,
0: right? Like, And so he's positioning <laughs> it as the Australian the Lions. dog's being very cute, by the way. Versus the world. Right, so this is why we have to be very careful on the progressive side of politics, because while it's tempting to go, we're a disgrace, we're we're failing our global obligations, the rest of the world is doing so much more. That plays into Morrison's positioning, absolutely. Because most Australians, frankly, don't really care what happens in New York. They don't really care what the EU is doing about carbon emissions.
1: No, but they absolutely love Australia. Absolutely. And you know, let's have this conversation. I don't know if we've had this conversation let's... on the microphone before. But we've certainly had this conversation in this house. Sure. You know something, the best thing that ever happened to my family was immigrating to this country because the one we left, because of our religion, we weren't allowed to buy, own, or inherit land, which made it very difficult to stop being serfs. Yeah. It was sort of structured in, you know, and they came to this country and built a new life and seized new opportunities and bought a little fibro house after the Second World War, which housed and fed and, and, you know, created opportunities for people like me eventually in only three generations to get to university. Incredible. Like I think that's a pretty common story in this country and when people think about Australia, they think of that opportunity, they they think of that egalitarian ethos which allows migrant communities to build a new life, to get away from uh, like oppression, discrimination, persecution, all the reasons that motivate people to migrate. Yeah. You know and i get really frustrated with people on the progressive side of politics who think that somehow lowballing this country is how you win hearts and minds and like it's sort of dirty to go actually you know australia has created incredible opportunities for people people who would absolutely swear that they're in favor of migration and they love migration and yet don't seem to have any cultural memory of what migrants really value about the experience of living here.
0: and, and that's really what Morrison is trying to do right he's trying to draw this away from a debate about what do we do about emissions into a debate about who do you trust in fact he said that at the press conference he said who do you trust On the economy, who do you trust to deal with these issues in a way that doesn't wreck the economy? Because if that's the debate, and our side of politics
1: refuses to say the word Australia,
0: refuses to go, you know what? Australia is great. We created the Hills Hoist. We created Wi-Fi,
1: lasers, the Unix system. Thank you, University of Wollongong. We can do
0: we can do amazing things with technology, but we do that as a nation because we support. Those investments. We do that because we have a plan to do that, because we invest in industry policy, we invest in training, we invest in education. Like, unless we make it about how great Australia is and that actually we've got a plan that builds on the greatness of Australia to deal with the issues that we face, then we're going to lose the fight. Oh. Because Morrison's just saying, Morrison is saying what every Australian wants to hear, what almost every Australian wants to hear, which is, it's going to be right, mate. We got, we've got this. Oh, we've got a plan. We've got a
1: plan. And, you know, Australians, we do things our own way, plays into every stereotype yeah. going. And, you know, it, enra- it enrages me because on the left, like, we are encouraged to be internationalists, become an internationalist and respect all life. That is the yeah. motto. And, you know, the, the common family of humanity. I'm in. I'm 100%. I absolutely believe in internationalism and all of those things. The reality is we live in a sovereign nation called Australia that has a different and separate set of cultural circumstances that, frankly, have provided just unbelievable opportunities to migrants who came here Mm. fleeing persecution, you know. And, yes, that was on the back of stolen land and a genocide, Mm. absolutely. And we can't acknowledge the reality of Australia without looking at what that displacement meant. Absolutely. but if we are internationalists and we believe in the project of liberating all humanity from oppression or perhaps the existential threat of climate change
0: mm-hmm.
1: right, then the relationship of this sovereign entity that we live in should be one of generosity. It should be one of it should be one of contribution, solidarity, collectivism, that's internationalism. That's actually what we can fight for. And the climate space is an extraordinary space for us to to really create opportunities for the global community mm. because we're peaceful. We're stable. We do have more than 40 universities, you know, before they Mm. fall down from lack of funding. We're a highly literate population. And because we are a multicultural society, Mm. that is actually phenomenal strength. Like we have the communication resources to speak to the rest of the world Mm. because of our polyglot community and our diversity of experiences and the way that we have learnt, you know, sometimes very painfully and violently to get along, accept difference, accommodate people, all of these things we could build, we could bring into uh, leadership for the future in the climate space. This is how you set up a car industry. This is how you create full employment. This is how you create jobs for people.
0: And there are some, and there are some people doing this work. And I noticed David Ritter from Greenpeace <sighs> did a did a big thread on Twitter, and I really recommend people going through it. There's a lot of articles in there; they're worth a read. But you know, one of them talks about the three hundred and thirty-three billion dollar a year opportunity of a green economy. And I know that the ACTU, Australian Unions, who, of course, big supporters of this show, have done some work around the number of jobs, the hundreds of thousands of jobs that can be created in a green economy. There's lots of opportunity here. But again, we come back to, and and I think part of the reason why you see the likes of Australian Unions and Greenpeace and and people like um, ACOS getting involved in this, is that the world is moving, right, Van? Like, there's, Really quickly. There, there's, there's been an interesting thing happened in the last few weeks where the price of coal on global markets has reached record levels. And there were some pieces in, I think, the ABC talking about, well, does this mean that coal's back? Because Matt Canavan, of course, the National Senator for president. <laughs> Is banging the drum going, see, coal's great. Everybody
1: loves coal. Banging like, the drum with his face. As it's like,
0: mate, drum. the reason why coal prices are up is because we're in the interregnum period as we cross over from... That means
1: between kings.
0: As we cross over from the the... The peak of needing a uh, coal electricity, burning economy and, and coal being the primary source, and people not investing because there's no long term future. See, people invest in the future, they don't invest in the past. So, you've got massive investors globally, trillions of dollars of money going, We're not going to invest in coal. So, if you've got a coal mine and you're operating pretty efficiently, you can make a lot of money right now. There's no question about that. Will you make money in five years? Well, Chances are, no.
1: No, because the momentum behind renewables
0: is so strong. And, and now, of course, because coal is so expensive, the relative cost of renewables is much lower, which will only hasten the death of coal. So the it's not just a global thing. It's a here thing. It's a what's happening in our economy. What's going to happen to jobs here? What's going to happen where money is invested and not invested? And... For the government to kind of just step back and go, well, we've got a plan. It's based on current policies. Tech will save us. I can tell you, that's not how this works. It'll be the reason why ACOS and Australian unions are interested is because it'll be workers who pay the price. It'll be the unemployed who pay the price. By, by which I mean, their communities will be smashed. The company will just pull out. The company will just go, you know what? We're not doing coal anymore. We're doing solar. And we're not doing it here because we can do it better over there. And you're all made redundant. And I don't care if it kills the town because we don't live here. We live somewhere else.
1: Oh, And let's talk about Matt J. Canavan. So Matt J. Canavan, the Minister for Cosplay, the costume shop in search of a manager, he was talking about the nuclear industry the other oh. day. Australia, of course, doesn't use nuclear power. We don't like it because it's dangerous. And if there's a problem, we haven't, as a humanity, worked out how. To clean it up yet. Just ask. You've been to Chernobyl, haven't you been? Yeah, yeah. How was that for you?
0: Yeah, it's grim. It's a pretty grim place. It's, it's pretty grim. Not a lot of not a lot of human life there. I not a
1: it. lot of human life. No. Looks a bit bleak, bit yeah. fally downy. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty. Pretty bad. And and you know uh, doing the, doing the bus tour of Chernobyl is pretty bad. Going to the museum is even worse, frankly, because that's where you see the the deformity. The, the horrible things that happened to the people who were exposed to radiation, the fetuses, um, like the awful, awful nature of it. And, you know, Fukushima is, of course, uh, even more um, recent example of a whole city just totally, totally deserted. It, it Nuclear power is not the solution to climate change nuclear power was a 1950s solution to how to make sure nobody ever invaded anybody who had nuclear power like that's what it was about and I think this sort of idea that we're repurposing it as the future of energy is a science fiction fantasy. It's expensive. It takes a long time to build. You don't. The waste lasts forever. If there is a problem, it has to be close to population centres, which means if there's a problem, those population centres can become massively irradiated very, very quickly. Um, transportation of the fuel is incredibly expensive. It's not. It's not a reasonable and logical thing to do. Uh, there's lots of people who would like it to happen. Yes, yeah,
1: so like the coal industry. So somebody uh, at Gordicans, hello, made this point on my Twitter the other day that nuclear is being pushed by the coal lobby because it takes 30 years for a nuclear power yeah. system to work, that that actually buys the coal lobby more time.
0: Well, you know. And, and also, too, like I get it, Australia has like many many minerals large deposits of uranium you know and if you're a coal company then and you get licenses to explore for coal and licenses to mine coal then it's probably reasonable to assume that you'll be able to get licenses to explore for uranium and mine for uranium so you can see how there is an alignment here but there are other ways to do this and you know i I don't I don't like to give big shout-outs to um, multinational corporations or, or even billionaire-run corporations, but if you look at somebody like Fortescue, who does iron ore, right, they're doing the Fortescue Future Energy Plan, right, and they're doing green hydrogen. They're, they're, and, the, and, the, and this is the crazy thing, Van, and we'll talk about this in the Good News story a bit more in detail, because there is companies invest in the future, they invest in the future. So you've got Woodside... Well, they invest in the profits of the future. That's right. They're, They're not that interested yeah. in the future. Sorry, Sorry. let ben, me be come clear. On. They- Capitalists got a
1: capitalist. They-, they-, uh-
0: they invest in the profits of the future. So Woodside Petroleum doesn't like to be called Woodside Petroleum anymore. It likes to be called Woodside because <laughs> it's trying to access... Woodside hugs. It's trying to access hydro- hydroelectric electricity in Tasmania to make green hydrogen to export overseas. Origin Energy, who owns some of the you know dirtiest coal mines, uh, dirtiest coal-fired power stations, wants access to the same hydrogen, same, same hydropower to make the same hydrogen. These Fortescue Futures doing the same thing. They're all looking for how they're going to make money in the future, right? And yeah, sure. Buy yourself 10 years. Buy yourself five years. But let's be really clear. Those companies are not buying that time to transition their workforce. They're not buying that time to transition the communities. They're buying that time to make more profit. That's what they're buying the time for. And keep their system of profit-making intact. That's right. That's right. And if we want to have an orderly transition. If we want to make sure that people are not left behind, that communities are not destroyed, that actually we benefit as a society from these future profits, these future profiteers, we can do that. We can do that. They're doing that in Germany. They're doing that in Spain. They're doing that in Portugal. They're saying, actually, no, there's gonna be a way that this happens that benefits our community. You, know, you only need to look at what's happened with liquid natural gas, right? The, the natural gas industry in this country is a disgrace. It has made... Australia is the second largest producer of natural gas, and we get almost no money for that. It all goes to multinational corporations. Multinational corporations make billions and billions from it. And now... In the plan that's based on current policy, (laughs) natural gas is clean burning, just so you know, Van.
1: It's clean burning. It's clean burning. Because it's in this document.
0: It's in this document. It's
1: it's like government by, like, Clark and Daw, isn't it? Like... Oh, how, how do you know it's clean? But, well, it's in the document. In well, the who document. put in the document? Well, I did. On the basis of what? Well, it was in the document, so well, no, it M- must be true. Well,
0: McKinsey, uh, McKinsey consultants got paid to make the document.
1: Oh, McKinsey consultants, <laughs> yeah. the former employers of Angus Taylor, that paragon of virtue and integrity, a man whose reputation has never been questioned or sullied by morals of any kind. M-
0: McKinsey consultants, the global consulting firm. That's what I find funny. The Australian way has been put together by a global consulting firm, and you, it- you
1: can just imagine <laughs> in like. <laughs> you know, Chad. The Chad way, you know, like, and where else? Paraguay. The Paraguayan way. Because this is what they do, of course. They use the same slogans and the same packages. They just make a couple of tiny little local tweaks, maybe get in one or two actors who look a bit local, and then they just shoot the same ad over and over and over and over and over again. And what's my favourite example of this? What's my favourite example of this, Ben? Is it the death tax? Yes, it is oh, the death yes, tax. the death tax,
0: of course.
1: So during the last federal election, you may have seen a lot of Facebook content about, A death tax that Labor were definitely going to bring in, except they weren't. It was not policy. It was probably denied 100,000 times. Um, Chris Bowen's patience is somewhat legendary for answering ridiculous questions again and again. And, of course, it was completely made up. And I was reading a couple of figures because I got the Mm. Facebook post as well and had a bit of a Google, as I do, because I can't help myself. And what do you know? It was the exact copy of a campaign run in America by... Donald Trump, and they didn't even change the figures. They didn't even change the figures.
0: It really is amazing how global the nationalists are. Uh, it's, yes, they're global nationalists. They're global nationalists. It's a, it's a scary, scary prospect. Yes, but, the
1: white ethno multi-state, fantastic.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Well, look the. I think the uh, the Australian way plan designed by global consulting firms based on current policy for the new future uh, is going to be very interesting when it actually comes time for Morrison to go to Glasgow. And look, again, I just want to stress to people who are listening to this, he will get panned internationally. There's no question about
1: that. Oh, but that happened at Paris. You and I were there. Yeah, Um, we're going to show off and tell everybody again that we're at the Paris Climate Conference just one more time.
0: He wants that to happen. Like, make no mistake.
1: Yeah, it's a marketing. So he can be an Australian maverick.
0: That's right. And it'll be pushed that way and they will try and campaign on that. But... You know, we, the Australian way is what we as the Australian people decided is right? And I think the Australian way is actually supporting communities. I think it's actually investing in education. I think it's taking advantage of the opportunities we have with solar and wind Taking and pride
1: in scientific advancement and technology. Absolutely. But like what Australian isn't proud of the fact that for population-wise, a very small country, we have this incredible legacy of technological development. Like, what an absolute testament to, like... A, education system and future vision and stability of our community like it's extraordinary that what i would consider to be bedrock australian values of being creative and entrepreneurial and innovative and all of those things, the Morrison government doesn't care, but they'll wrap themselves in the flag when it comes to election time and they'll focus group their little slogans and say the words plan in Australia as much as possible. So somebody who isn't really paying attention will be like, oh, yeah, I'll give them a number one preference because they're going to plan for Australia because that's how these things work. And the only way to fight fire, dear friends, comrades and beloveds, is with fire. That's
0: right. right.
1: And just like as long as you cut the union jack out, I reckon there's no problem with wrapping yourself in the flag.
0: So look, it's it's very, it's going to be a very interesting time. Morrison has publicly dared Albanese to fight a campaign on climate change, because let's be clear, he's not going to fight on climate change. He's going to fight on trust. He's going to fight on who's got a plan and who's who loves Australia and more. who loves Australia more. And every time we bag Australia or every time we go see internationally where pariahs, that puts offside all those people who in their heart of hearts, go, Australia is a great place. Because it is. It is. You know, there are problems. We can fix them. We can work to fix them. We should work to fix them. But every time we on the left criticize Australia... We lose. We lose. So let's stop doing that. Let's start winning. Because there's a lot at stake here
1: yeah like the future of humanity like now's the time I reckon you know I find it so far I spend a lot of time on the internet I don't know if you guys know and strangely enough and is it because I sound like a waitress sometimes because I am a waitress by the way that's like full disclosure of my class identity I think people feel a bit threatened by the fact that a waitress wants to talk economics with them you know it's it's really funny because like I hear a lot of people saying we've got to you know act to defend Mother Earth immediately and the climate's at risk it's like well yeah Well, I'm prepared to do anything. I'm prepared to get absolutely covered in filth. I'm happy to walk down the street. Anything I can do to get a government into power, honestly and fairly, obviously, there's no point, to, like, govern this country with sensible climate policy that actually commits us to taking action so we don't all perish in a fire or get flooded away and lose our homes. You know, I'm in. Let's do it. Let's actually embrace a bit of real politic and solve the freaking
0: problem. Talking about people losing their homes, Van. I want to talk about the South Pacific for a moment. Oh, I love this because this is a story. This is a story you sent me. Uh, I think over the weekend as a love gift, I sent him this story because this is this is a really I think it's a really interesting story, and I hope you do too, listeners. Because there's always a lot of talk in the Morrison government about you know budgets and the economy. Yeah,
1: hands it time You know,
0: and there's only so much money to go around and, you know, free enterprise and, you know, we've got to let the markets decide and all the rest of it. Well, let me tell you the story of DigiSell. <laughs> So most of you will never have heard of Digicel, uh, and fair enough too. Digicel is a telecommunications company that operates in the South Pacific. It operates in places like Samoa and Fiji and you know Western Samoa, places that maybe you've been to on holiday. Maybe if you have heard of Digicel, maybe you bought a temporary uh, SIM card while you are on holiday. But most of us won't have heard of it, and. For a telco that operates in the South Pacific, it was owned by an Irish billionaire, because global capital is in fact global, and this Irish billionaire owned Digicel until very recently. Now, Digicel services the South Pacific, and it does so through a 4,700-metre-long cable that is connected to Sydney. who do you think paid for this cable van? Do you think it was the Irish billionaire, or perhaps Santa Claus? Well, yeah, actually, it was Scott Morrison. Santa, Santa Claus Morrison used Australian taxpayer funds to build this cable. If he ever turns up in our chimney. <laughs> but he did this because the South Pacific countries need access to internet. Fair enough, that's a good Great. thing to do. A bit and of because, foreign aid. amazing. And because the Irish billionaire in question was thinking about selling the company. To China. So he got the cable, right? Said thank you very much. From the Australian taxpayer. From the Australian taxpayer. And now, of course. Merry Christmas! He wants a bit more. So no way. China's still very interested. In fact, even more so now that there's a cable connecting his network to Australia, that'd be great to buy. So off he's trundled again, back to Australia, and said to Telstra, hey, look, you can have the whole South Pacific market. Telstra actually not being run by dummies, went, you know, rather than pay for this ourselves, we know a certain government that's more than happy to give money to corporations for things that we don't need and frankly scare the living daylights out of the government. Why don't we go and ask Scott Morrison? So Telstra has bought... Did you sell? With our money. With our money. So do we own
1: sell no. 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 Telstra and the shareholders of Telstra do. Yes. They just capitalised it with our money.
0: Yes. So. Basically, so what's our
1: return on investment?
0: Well, it's unclear. That that information hasn't been released. That's commercial and confidence fan.
1: Oh, commercial and confidence. So Morrison. Has, Maybe we should ask Angus Taylor's friends if we ever find... Not sorry, Christian Potters. I get them all mixed up. They're all so corrupt.
0: Morrison's government has allocated to has given. billion in what's called non-recourse debt and equity-like securities to Telstra to fund... This purchase—that's
1: free money, and everyone. That by is the way, free money. it's free money. Is that's it, just what those words mean. You is, should, by the way, you should all buy our friend Richard Dennis's book, Connor Babble. Yes. You should buy that book because yes. if you've ever sat there going, "Oh, what I is, don't know what much what is about
0: non-recourse debt," <laughs> yes,
1: what is the non-accelerating inflation rate of unemployment? Like all of these nutty words, quantitative easing—that's my favorite—which means print more money. Print more money. Yeah, like you, you just buy that book, and he translates it it's all for you, and you will you will feel smug, terrified but smug but
0: it strikes to the heart of the contradiction in the morrison government right like this idea that the market's going to solve the problem but when it comes right down to it you know of 2.5 billion dollars that it cost to buy digi morrison has paid on our behalf 2.1 billion of it telstra has paid some but unsurprisingly telstra shares went up about three percent when this was announced because telstra shareholders just got 2.1 billion dollars for nothing And whole market for uh, this company is profitable.
1: Doesn't it make three hundred million dollars a year? Three hundred
0: million a year. Three hundred million a year. Now, the idea that Telstra couldn't find someone to lend them the money or find the money in their own reserves (laughs) to do this to to buy a profitable company. Telstra, the non-monopoly monopoly, is just ridiculous. But of course. You know, if you bang the national security drum loud enough, if you bang the you know the the patriotism drum loud enough, if you've got enough friends in the in the right departments, in the right ministerial offices, then you get access to the meetings and the conversations that result in you getting two point one billion dollars and a whole new network of telecommunications across the South Pacific. Oh my God! This is this is and and I and I raise this today. To juxtaposition it against the issue of how we're dealing with climate change. Because we're not spending two point three billion on anything useful.
1: No. We don't have a plan.
0: We have current policy.
1: We have current policy. The new Basket plan, a plan.
0: The new plan is current policy. We're
1: on track. It's the Australian <laughs> way. The Australian way is to give two point three dollars to Telstra, sorry, just had an aneurysm, and for nothing, that we won't, we don't become owners in Telstra or no, no, owners
0: of Digicel. They're equity-like securities? Equity-like securities. I'm not quite sure what they will be. Ilves There's various like types elves. of things they could be. I mean,
1: we're not really sure of the status of the elves. We know that they're useful and they sort of hang around, but totally expendable and you don't need to worry about them. Kind and, of. And
0: yeah? non-recourse debt normally implies that it's non-repayable, like it's just free money.
1: Yeah, so it's non-recourse debt. So we're lending you this money, but don't bother paying us back. It seems like it. But except we're not going to take ownership. But nobody necessarily knows that because that's commercial in confidence. Yeah. So Clark-, Clark and Door. This is what I'm saying. That we are actually living in a reality where the entire government is a Clark and Door episode. If you don't know who we're talking about, by the way, have a have a Google on YouTube. It will change your life.
0: It is it is phenomenally frustrating to know that. We have a government that will not actually do do anything, invest in anything. It will not actually be the owner of anything, but it will happily give away billions of dollars to profitable companies to buy other profitable companies using our money for which we get no return. That is like the antithesis of all forms of democratic government. Like that's that's the Australian one. That's not market capitalism. (laughs) That's not democratic socialism. It's not social democracy. It's not it's not even a US hyper capitalism. It's just It's a cacoc. What's the word when the worst people run things? Uh, I think it's a cacocracy or something. Cacocracy. Yeah. Like that's what it's it's like. Society
1: ruled by fecal matter, I believe is the translation. It's so
0: insane. Oh,
1: it's just, it's shocking. But everyone, can we just take a moment? I haven't seen Ben in four and a half months. (laughs) And literally, one of the first things we have done since we've come home is have this conversation about, you know, the capitalization of, you know, a, a, a privatized entity, and I've got to say, my little heart is going bang, bang, a lang, lang, and it's so good to be home.
0: <laughs> well, look, my 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 heart also goes out uh, to all of the people out there who are trying to make solutions to the climate problem who are who are genuinely trying to work on tech solutions you know the farmers who are trying to be more efficient with their land use mm-hmm. regenerative agriculture doing all that work you know and seeing these sorts permaculturalists these sorts community of community
1: resource agriculture That's just agriculture I'm just going through all the forms yeah, of environmental agriculture permaculture I love you all I love all of you
0: for, for them to hear these these sorts of stories I'm sure is really frustrating because it's frustrating for us uh, to, to have to tell them uh, you know it must just be incredibly frustrating for people who are doing the work you know on the front line trying to make us a lower emission economy to see the billions wasted in JobKeeper the money poured into private companies profitable private companies to buy other profitable private companies that you know the market, the market was happy to buy. Like, that's the other thing. The global market, somebody else wanted to buy the thing. But, oh, we couldn't have China buy it. Oh, what would they do with it? You know, China listening into phone calls from Vanuatu. Oh,
1: It's like buying the last formal dress in the shop just so
0: Stacey can't have it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Stacey's not getting my taffeta <laughs> gown. <laughs>
1: oh, brain bleed. Uh,
0: anyway. <laughs> Here we are. But, you know, this and this. A good news story this week, actually, again, tie, all these things tie together.
1: Yeah, they all tie together. Capitalism's bad, everyone. Because I don't know if you've got a sense of that from the, this show, the, but we're the, not
0: huge fans. The point we made earlier, right, is that action on climate change is happening and is going to happen partly because companies invest in the profits of the future, right? That's what companies do. It doesn't matter what you do now, your share price is tied to the what people think you're going to make profit on in the future. So Woodside we've talked about. And now the good news story today is that BP, British Petroleum, British petroleum. That's what BP stands for, by the way, in case British, you were wondering. Yep, it British used petroleum. to be called British Petroleum, used to be a state-owned entity, was privatized. BP is using solar energy to make steel in the United States.
1: Yeah, in Colorado. Yeah. It's literally the biggest solar steel mill in the world, and they're doing it because it is cheaper. It is. Cheaper to do. So steel is obviously an energy-intensive process. Manufacturing steel requires, like, has generated, like, um, you know, it's the third largest. um, It's a huge emitter. Yeah, emitter. And it's shocking. So they are built, they've spent $285 million on a project called Big Horn. Of course. (laughs) I don't think men should be allowed to run things. Um, We've had that discussion before. Ooh. I don't think dogs should be allowed to fall off laps either. Um, Yeah, so Bighorn is absolutely massive and... It's like part of this whole – the the way that steel production is going is towards this sort of framework as green steel. Yeah. You know, they're investing in decarbonising the steel sector yeah. because obviously it makes it cheaper, and that's all capitalists really think about. Yeah. And the technology has moved because someone somewhere had a government that decided to invest in it. Um. It's just absolutely phenomenal what they're doing. So the equivalent of the energy generated will take 92,000 – cars off the road in equivalent they were just be strangled by the dog um and they yeah it negates 433,000 metric tons of carbon dioxide emissions a year which is just completely amazing um there are three quarters of a million panels in it. Wow. Yeah, it's huge. Like, it's absolutely massive. It generates 300 megawatts. It will be able to make steel. And it also reduces the carbon footprint because it means that, like, America doesn't have to ship in all the, like, pre-manufactured steel. It gets yeah. – because the whole thing is about lowering carbon miles, mm. getting close to, like, point of origin. That has an effect on your shipping and the rest of it. And BP. I'd Like, that's what I just can't. To get
0: my head around. But this is this is the point, right? Like yeah. in- investors, British companies,
1: petroleum yeah. are investing in solar technology to make steel and the Australian government under Scott Morrison Has a plan to have a plan to have a plan to have a plan until we all die or it goes away. And can we, on the subject of the Morrison plan, it's, uh, you know, they want to reduce, they want to, uh, you know, get us to net zero by 2050. And let's just do the maths on who's in the coalition party room and their ages and what they're likely to be doing in 2050. And quite honestly, friends, it's 29 years away They'll probably be dead. So, I just let's just put everything into a bit of uh, a bit of realistic timetabling about maybe why they're just not that committed um, to the long term future of the planet or the people on it, let alone all the cute little species. um, By BP, British Petroleum, are investing in a massive solar farm to power a steel mill.
0: And I think, oh my God, I think the good news about that is that there's ways that we can do this, you know, and I think. You know, I, I want to go back to, again, that work that Australian unions did uh, with a number of collaborators from across Australia to point out the number of jobs that can be created here. These are, we can create jobs in this. You know, BP is not doing that project in Colorado to create jobs, but it will create jobs in yeah. Colorado. You know, and if we if we take advantage of the fact that we are one of the sunniest continents on on Earth, and that we have lots of wind, and we have lots of waves. We pride ourselves on being a lots surf of open nation. space. Lots of open you know, space.
1: Solar power loves open space.
0: You know, we we've we've done a lot of discussion in this country about having more open cut mines, whether it's for coal or iron ore or something else. i got to say, I'd much rather see. Acres and acres of solar panels than another open-cut coal mine. And if that energy is then used to fire up green hydrogen production, which is a good, well-paid, unionized job fantastic there's jobs in the manufacture of solar panels in the maintenance of solar panels in the running of the elect- electroly- electrolysis machines for the hi- hydrogen
1: electrolysis is hair removal then
0: that's what called. they're called electroly- electroly- sure? electrolyzers. The Ele- electrolysis 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 uh, anyway they begins with an e uh, in the production of ammonia for the export of green hydrogen there's such a supply chain, such a value chain that can create jobs Um, and you know, that's why we say to people unions care about your job, join your union, australianunions.org.au slash wow because companies are moving companies are doing this stuff.
1: You know, people do ask me all the time, like I feel so powerless and climate change is overwhelming it's annihilating and it's like have you ever considered collective action? Have you ever looked at the relationship between industrial organising and social change because heaps of the things that we love the most are things that came about through union activity because actually if you collectivise people around the means of production where participants in that production have an equalising power to the people who own those things, well, you're at the table and you get to negotiate and make demands. It's literally the principle of unionism. So I don't actually put a lot of stock in the claims to environmentalism that come from people who aren't union members. Like, mm. what are you doing? And if you're out of the workforce, there are plenty of solidarity organisations you can join. You mm. can be a retired worker and be a member of a union. Yeah, absolutely. Or you can find auxiliaries or solidarity groups or all of those things, you know, you're never going to be turned away from showing solidarity on a picket or a union action. That's not how this works.
0: Because we've seen too that when it's just left to corporations, we've seen that you'll get the sharks, you know, you'll get the sharks and you'll have the $10 an hour backpacker exploited doing construction in a solar farm, you know, and you'll see that that's financed by global capital, right? Because at the end of the day, that chain from decision-maker, we're going to do the green thing, we're going to go, you know, we're going to do the right thing, go green. And then how it's implemented on the ground can often be very, very distant from each other. And that's part of the reason why being in the union is so important. Because if we have a a capitalist-led Green revolution that only focuses on the cost and the profit, then labour will still be that's our labour, that's us, will still be part of the cost side, and there'll still be pressures on us to be less, to take less, to have less. We don't want that. We want, we want action on climate change to result in higher living standards, in better outcomes for working people. And that's something going to come about. Like more beautiful communities. Yeah, that's something going to come about. Better water, not dead animals. If we're at the table. And yes, government is an important part of that, but so is being part of the union because then you're negotiating. You're talking about the conditions under which solar farms are built, wind farms are built, how the transmission lines are constructed. You know, what happens in that steel mill, in Colorado, how those workers are treated, whether it's safe or not, you know, we don't we don't know that detail because you know this that story is about the green side of it. There's always more to this story, and part of making sure that the worker side is actually looked after is you joining your union. That's how you get looked after. I, loved being a it's I awesome. love being in union.
1: I seriously. Like you sleep better at night time because you think I'm doing something.
0: And can I just, I want to give it another shout out. We do this now almost every episode. Uh, I had had a conversation today with Francis Leach, uh, who is doing some interesting stuff with music. Uh, I'm sure he'll talk about that on, uh, on the job, the Official Australian Union's podcast. But they've been interviewing frontline workers, and I know they're interviewing workers impacted by climate as well. So... Do check out On The Job.
1: We love Francis Leach. He is a good comrade. Him and
0: Sally Rugg do that podcast. Uh, it's really well worth listening to. And
1: Sally is a darling as well, also a comrade. And just to remind you, we did recommend our friend Richard Dennis's book, A Connor Babble. And we also suggest that you follow our friend David Ritter from Greenpeace on Twitter. His threads have just been magnificent on the climate change issue. If you're trying to work out what's going on,
0: he's... On it. He is on it. We're going to have a shorter episode today because we haven't seen each other in four and a half months and we have spent over an hour uh, getting things organized to do this podcast uh, and we're really pleased to be back together. Yep. Time to go. So thanks very much for listening. Don't forget to share, like, subscribe, talk about these issues, join your union. Uh, If you leave comments on the Apple podcast, that always helps us as well. We'll talk to you for the weekend wrap on Sunday, and Van and I will be together again talking to you next Wednesday for the week on Wednesday. Bye. Bye.